Before we get started, a word from 3BR, a sponsor of the Review Podcast Network. 3BR Distillery is a producer of unusual craft spirits, featuring a kitschy Slavic punk tasting room at 7 Main Street in Keyport, New Jersey. 3BR's unique Gorovka spirit is made from peas and is an homage to a family recipe, secretly distilled in the USSR. Experience craft cocktails made with Slavic-inspired ingredients in-house. Learn more about 3BR at 3BR Distilling on Instagram or visit the tasting room at 7 Main Street in Keyport, New Jersey. For the Ready Set Review Holiday Spectacular. (laughs) Spectacular sounds better, right? Extravaganza. (laughs) The extravaganza. Um, Which, I mean, listen, don't get too excited. It's really nothing any more special other than us talking about two holiday movies that came out this year, but not like the Hallmark kind of movies. We're talking about. We're not talking about Falling in Love with Lindsay Lohan, the new (laughs) Netflix movie. Wait, did she just have a holiday movie that came out? Yes, it was Netflix. You don't know about this? Why would I know about this? It was her movie. A return. Stop. Yeah, I think it's called. I think it's called Falling for Christmas. It's pretty much the movie Overboard, but just with Lindsay Lohan. Like she's rich and pompous, and <laughs> she gets proposed to on a ski mountain, and then she like falls off the mountain, and then like the this guy from Glee. Um, that was a short over street finds her and she's like, I have no clue who I am. And then like learns the power of love through Christmas. And then like her family finds her and she's like, I'm not a vapid bitch anymore. And something like that. It's literally <laughs> the movie overboard. See, see, I would, I would have described that as it's the born identity, but just with Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was like her, it was like the new Netflix movie with her in it. Wow. So, so is, is Netflix getting, like Netflix is getting into this whole Christmas movie market, aren't they? Yeah, like, but right? they only do like one or two a year. Yeah. Like they don't do 75 a year like Hallmark does. Have you seen those, the the memes, I, I, it wouldn't really be a meme, but like on, on social media where they, they take the Hallmark movie posters of like all the movies and they put them all together and, then and it's, it's like the this, same thing, yes. right? The same Yeah, poster. I think all the dudes are wear green and all the women wear red. Yes. And then the, just the names. Yes. I love the titles. Because it's just something for Christmas, falling for Christmas. Any adjective, running for Christmas. Right. You know. But you know what? See, see here's the thing. I, here's what I, I have to be brutally honest about this, right? As, you know, somebody that I, you know, I, we, I write and I sketch and we do all these creative things together, right? Like... I sit here and I shit on these Hallmark movies all the yeah. time because I think they're fucking terrible. But there is something satisfying about knowing that you could be one of the people like in the writers' rooms mm. in these movies, right? Or the one of the actors, and like that you—that's your lifestyle. Like you just make you make money, lots oh. of money oh, doing right. this nonsense. <laughs> like <laughs> no, absolutely. Like it's like those people that I, I think I think we kind of talked about this before. Like you know, there's I I, I absolutely have I would. 
have no issue being one of those actors that is... Or like Lacey Chabert, who's in every single one. I was going to say the, the opposite. I was going to say, well, that too. But I was going to say like one of those actors where like you do you do one thing and you're, that thing becomes so famous and such a uh, such a popular thing, right? Like, you know, like like Seinfeld, for example, right? Like, okay. like, like how, how much has Michael, uh, has Michael George, George Costanza, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Really done since Seinfeld. Oh, I but see what you mean. Yeah, you yeah. know he's living pretty. As George, oh, well, all the residuals, yeah. right? The royalties, right? Like Jason David Frank, who you know, who died recently. We talked about that. Like yes. he made a living off of just Power the Rangers. Power Rangers, right? right. Um, Mariska Hargitay hasn't had an acting role except SVU in twenty something years. Exactly. You know? But that's also that's that's also completely different because she, at one point in time, I'm not sure if this is still accurate, but she was like the highest paid female in Hollywood. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I think she's still getting like a, like a cool yeah. half a mil per episode. Right, exactly. Easy. But yes, yeah, she does nothing else, right? Like right. that's all she does. Yeah, so and yeah, I have no problem. But she's kind of like, I know my lane. I'm not, you know, like people like quit TV shows after ten years because like, ooh, art, you know. Oh, I want to go back to my roots, and it's like <laughs> she's like, not me. Yeah, I'll. I'll I'll play the same role 25 years, keep me right? going. I am fine. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you go to like the, the indie movie sets where they, they don't even serve you like lunch and shit. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so anyway, so so this this year for uh, our holiday special, which I think honestly is the first time we've ever done a Ready Set Review holiday special. Nice. Well, yeah, so I'm very excited about that. Um, Will and I have seen uh, two holiday movies this year that you would two expect. Two very different <laughs> holiday movies. <laughs> It, it, the, the kind of holiday movies you would expect us to talk about on Ready, Set, Review. Um, Violent Night is the first one. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas Special is the other one. Um, so uh, let's just let's get right into two it. What do you want to start with? First of all, just overall, two things that I never thought I would see. Right? Like, like just to start there, like, yep. never thought I would see what we saw in Violent Night, like, with movie money backing on a big screen. And then never thought I would see something like the Guardians Christmas special, which looked very expensive. Probably yeah. did cost a pretty penny. And it was only 45, 45 minutes. 45 minutes, And yeah. I'm like, do you really think they're getting a lot of return on investment on this? Definitely uh, not. I don't think so. But again, very happy for both of them. Yeah. And like, and you, you can just imagine like the, the pitches for both of these movies are probably like... <laughs> So yeah. ridiculous. So so violent night, yeah, right? Like it, the the pitch, right, is probably like, just like you so know So like Santa rated R, blood and gore, killing everyone, but the power of Christmas. <laughs> At the end and it's like and everyone's like Fuck yeah, green light that. <laughs> See, I was even gonna say it differently. I, I was gonna say it's like it's it's a it's a hard R die hard. Except the John McClane is actual Santa Claus. <laughs> and like, there's magic. Right? Like, it's actual Santa Claus. It's not a guy dressed as Santa. It's not Billy Bob Thornton, right? It is, oh, right, right. It is actual the fucking Santa Claus. Santa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this movie, I mean, so, so David Harbour, right, plays, yes. plays Santa Perfect Claus. Perfect casting. Perfect casting. Um, John Leguizamo as the main, the leader of the, the bad guy Mr. crew. Mr. Screw. Super scrooge. I loved the code names. The code names were amazing. He's like, where's Tinsel and Gingerbread? I was like, you gotta be. He has like candy cane and fucking (laughs) Oh my god. And then the um the other the other standout cast in this. Oh Beverly D'Angelo. Oh my god. Very against type. She usually doesn't play that like that kind of I don't know what to call it. Cold hard bitch. Yes. (laughs) So good. (laughs) 
Yeah, she when she walked into the 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 shot. I mean, so, so 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 just to set it up for people that haven't seen this movie, you have to understand why her role is so amazing. The premise of the movie is Beverly D'Angelo is like a you know let, let's call her an oil tycoon basically. She's Easy, filthy, yes. filthy fucking rich, right? And they're the family is getting there, and the family like you would expect rich children to bicker over money and stuff. Um, and she's the she's one. There's a couple Scrooge or you know archetypes in this movie. She's one of them. Yes, uh, she's just kind of going through the motion she walks in and she's wearing it's christmas eve right it's and she's wearing her power, power suit, suit right like <laughs> and a and black power suit black power that. suit she enters the frame she's already on like a business call on cursing christmas somebody eve. out yeah, like, and she is just i mean cold hard bitch there's no other way yes. to describe it and she's fantastic like absolutely and, love and it. i kind of like that they obviously spent their money on like her, John Leguizamo, and David Harbour, because everyone else in the movie—I don't want to say that I don't want to say like they were nobodies, right? But it's like weren't—I haven't seen most of them before, you know. And I kind of like that. I only recognized one actor aside from uh, the names you just mentioned. That was the guy that played—I forget the 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 character's name. Yeah. He was the the actor who thought he was cool. His real name is Cam Gajanet, right? Oh, um, that oh I have seen him. He's in other popped things. up in like other things, right? He yeah. was the. He was the, like, he was an easy A right he was the yeah. kind of dude, right he was the only actor that I recognized aside from everybody else like, the other actors never seen them before right and anything for a million dollars couldn't tell you but he he played that role of that that shitty like, guy and he, you know he was like the the sort of failed actor like he he talked about his big in India like he was big in China yeah. right? like his action movies and his freaking present to his mother-in-law was a movie pitch. And he's like, what's the greatest gift than to give me the gift of a movie or something? Dude, that was one of those things that was so... It was so ridiculous, but like for... Like when you're writing a character like that, you're like, how can you make somebody so shallow and so ridiculous and so like anti-spirit of giving that he's like, here, my gift to you is my movie pitch to help you fund... To get you to fund this movie movie for me like oh god i was dying and then and appropriately you know just fast forwarding right of of the main group of hostages his character was the only one that died and it was so fitting (laughs) he just got fucking blasted yeah it was so good i don't even know where to start i have to say i I, you gotta start from the beginning yeah yeah. i liked how they really made santa santa like they had the freaking sleigh. They had all the reindeer. And he was like literally magical. And you want to talk about the beginning. She's like, oh, he used the wrong thing. The wrong door. God damn it. These drunk people. And then he fucking turns over and fucking vomits all over the girl. Dude. I was, like, And that's when you're like, oh, it's that type of movie. We are there. Now that opening scene, honestly, I got to admit, that opening scene was in, truly brilliant in my opinion because... It, the whole opening scene is David Harbour as actual Santa Claus. He's getting drunk at a bar. Yes. You know, on Christmas Eve. And there's another guy who's like a mall Santa, Santa Claus yes. that comes in. And they start having a conversation. Oh. And, and David Harbour is saying all the things he hates about being Santa. But the mall Santa Claus is interpreting it as if it's he's also a mall Santa Claus. Like, oh, no, I totally understand. What right, I totally exactly. get it. Not realizing he's talking to. Right? And, and it's like this very, it's like a seven-minute scene. It's like but very it, somber. But a lot you of know? the stuff they were saying was true. true. Because he's like, you know, and, I, and when he was talking about, oh, the kids, they don't believe in the magic. And I'm like, I mean, 
full disclosure, I don't really give a fuck about the holidays, to be completely honest with you. Same, yeah. Um, and then he is just like, you know, there's no magic, and everyone's just about, like, you know, social media, and, and no one gives a fuck about their families. And, and it was very, like, real. It was very real. And then, and, then, and then you get into the ridiculous right away, like you said, as he's walking out, he goes to the roof exit, and he's got his giant magic sack with him, and he pulls out, like, a video game, and he gives it to the bartender. Oh, yeah, goes, right. Here, your grandson wanted this. It's, like, the, the latest edition, whatever. I forget exactly what he said. he's so pissed says. off about that. And everyone only asks for video games. Yes. <laughs> which then comes up later. Yeah. Because he's trying to get like something and he's like, video game, video game. He's like, didn't no one ask for a fucking bat? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So that's the best part. One of the one of the first fight scenes is right. He uses the he uses his magic bag to his advantage. I love the magic bag. I was like, that was the coolest part. <laughs> such an amazing fucking writing tool with that that uh, an amazing writing device, that magic bag, because it's just he can pull anything out of it. Like you said, everybody's got video games, and he's trying to find some kind of a weapon. I think he eventually finds a golf club or yes. something, but nobody asked for a fucking bat. <laughs> So. Yeah, so the so then the movie, you know, it becomes very uh it becomes very diehardy, right? Yes. You, you got a, you got a couple of cool scenes of him um going to other homes and he's you know, it's like a montage of him with the cookies and the milk and he's commenting on how good or bad the he's cookies like, oh, are. It's like, "Oh, this almond." Right? <laughs> you know. Like. Yeah, somebody had <laughs> almond milk, he goes gross. <laughs> and then he takes you know, he's taken uh, he's taking booze out of the out of the family bars or whatever and shit. And then he you know, he so he comes to the the house, right? And the the whole premise is again it's you know a hostage type robbery situation just like very diehardy and it's John Leguizamo and I, I think there's some let's talk about John Leguizamo's character for a minute because mm-hmm. I think there's some really subtle brilliance in his character about the fact that he he one of the reasons why he is the person that he is is because he hates Christmas so yes. much like because they're like why'd you do this on Christmas he's like because I fucking hate this holiday yes. and he has this like childhood traumatic experience that he like because like, like, he was gonna that it was went like snuck into someone's house to steal something yes and then he scared the guy and the guy fell and like cracked his head open and died yes and he ended up in jail for it yes and he was like that's why I hate Christmas that's so, why <laughs> so if it happened on the so if it happened on a random Friday would you just hate Friday exactly right like, like, I, mean, I mean honestly you, you can take that premise and make it into like an Easter movie right <laughs> like you know he, he fucking hates Easter because the heist went wrong on Easter <laughs> and now he's just going around knocking off all yeah. Easter bunnies. But that's what I loved about the movie is the movie was very upfront with being like, listen, the premise is kooky and we're going to lean into it and we're not going to take ourselves too seriously and try yeah. to make this something that it's not. We know it's crazy. And I, I love that from the moment. Like, I got that. You know what I mean? And I, that's what I loved about it. No, 100%. That, that's why this movie did so well because it knew exactly what it was. It didn't take itself too seriously. It didn't try to go too serious into the action. Like, there's not, you know, like, like Santa is not like a kung fu master, right? right. You know, like he's a brawler. It, exactly. Yeah. It didn't take itself too seriously, and it and it, but it also didn't lean too hard into like the horror or the comedy. Everything was very balanced, Balance, but it yes. knew that it was absurd at the same time, <coughs> and it did a really great job. And it makes sense because I did look up the director. I think it's Tommy Wakola. Um, he ended up doing. Well, two movies. Um, one of them was called Dead Snow. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's um, like zombie Nazis, <laughs> and then like surviving the night with that. 
So that's awesome. and they made two of them. That's awesome. And I and, and I saw because I was like, what the, what else did the director do? I was like, oh, this makes sense because I think remember the first Dead Snow was kind of popular, right? But similar to that, like we know the premise is crazy, kind of leaned into it. I'm so on board. I, we, uh, so we got to watch these movies for next year then. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, so yeah, the John Leguizamo character was fantastic because, yeah, it's like like you were saying before, the code names, right? He he hates Christmas so much, but all of his crew have these like Christmas-themed code names. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like tinsel and candy cane and like these ridiculous things. But the, he makes a point about hating Christmas so much, and it's so awesome especially when you get to like that final fight scene because it's almost again as ridiculous as it is it's almost kind of like poetic for him he's now trying to kill santa claus the thing that he hates the most the thing that represents what he hates most in life is this final battle and he gets the fucking most gnarliest death for my we, ra- we gotta talk about that we gotta talk the, about that first of all random chimney in the middle of the fucking woods I mean I, they, they telegraph that a mile away yeah <laughs> I mean I guess they're like oh it's a log cabin and it's like what is it yeah. chimney or whatever like but it was very well constructed but then it's just like oh and he like fucking brings him up the fucking chimney and just like breaks him in fucking half I was like holy shit well, so that was such an that was something that I okay. So this is this is like I want to get into like the weirdness of this, right? Because the whole one of the things I loved about this movie is like how they were trying to, and they, they did a, they did a relatively good job of explaining how his powers worked and kind of sticking to it. So now I have like all of these questions about like you know because right because it's like so 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 by that by that last kill right where he sucks. John Leguizamo up to the chimney because that's how he, you know, they, they explain, so we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. They explain how he gets down the chimney. He basically teleports, right? Yes. But the way he kills John Leguizamo implies that he is the only one that, that can, can do teleport, it. right? Yes. So if he grabs something, anything with him, that thing will not teleport through the chimney with him unless it's his magic sack, right? right? So so he could have brought, like, you know, a fucking guitar through yes. the chimney. If it's not in his magic sack, it's going to get stuck in the chimney. So when he teleports through the chimney with John Leguizamo, and it's just, like, his quadriplegic husk of a body. Oh, my God. It was done. so good. So good. I saw that, too. Like, I'm sitting there in the movie theater, and I'm like, you know, because they, 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 they build the, the, the action, like, you know, to the end where it's like, you think that Santa Claus is gonna die and John Leguizamo's got him in the corner and then he says what, what is the last line he says he has like a he has a really oh, good oh, one-liner oh he has a lot of one-liners but when he kills John Leguizamo he's got a really good one-liner like a Chris I forget what it it's was it's like you know like Santa's coming to town yeah right Boom. <laughs> like, I can't, you know. it's like I believe in the magic or something he sucks him up through the chimney <laughs> so good but there were a lot of moments in the in the movie that I loved, like how they explored his powers with oh, yeah. the magic sack and the teleportation and the reindeers, like right. And I they even gave Santa like a backstory, like so. Which, let's talk about yeah. that. And I was like, well, that's one thing I was not. I really thought it was like you watch the trailer, you're like, okay, you're going just for the spectacle of it, blood guts, probably not that deep. And then all of a sudden we get backstory for Santa. I was like, oh shit. All right. That was the first thing I thought when he was when he was doing the when he was doing the field dressing on his wound yes. <laughs> with, the, with the Christmas ornament and the wrapping paper and the ribbon. Like 
they had that. You know, when he, when he took his shirt off, I remember being in the movie theater and I noticed. I was like, I was like, oh, Santa's got a lot of fucking scars all over his body. Yeah, and then they and started, he had all the tattoos. Yeah. yeah, and then they started to go into that backstory where he's like some sort of Viking warrior, and they even had a couple of like very quick flashbacks to that where he was like in with, like the armor, yeah, right. So I mean, I don't know about you, I I want to see a like if, I'm telling you if this movie does even. If this movie is profitable at the box office... Oh, they would definitely do another one. We're going to get a sequel. And I would love to see a prequel. I want to see like the history right? of this Santa Claus. I want to see what his North Pole looks like. You know what I mean? Like, what are the... You know, like that kind of well, shit. Well, can you imagine... I mean, like, there's going to there's gonna be a... If they make a sequel, can, can you imagine where a sequel where... Um, you know, like, like, you know, do do it kind of like Die Hard Three, right? Where John Leguizamo has some sort of long lost brother who's oh, yeah. seeking revenge, right? But instead of it being a hostage situation, they go to the North Pole because they know he's real now. And then you get Mrs. Claus also, right? Oh, and, and she's it's, and also it's, a badass. And, it, and it's fucking Sigourney Weaver, and she's like <laughs> with a fucking shotgun, like try it. You know what I mean? She's got a Santa robot like an aliens, right? Like, and, yeah, and they put her in like, but she still has like the quaffed bun wig. Oh yeah, she, but she has like a shotgun. Yes, no, she's full grandma. She's the quaffed bun, the little glasses with the chain necklace holding around. The yes, neck. but she's just an absolute fucking badass. Fuck yeah. She she takes a rolling pin and just shoves it up somebody's ass and fucking she just went, like. That, bro. How good we're would that writing be? the sequel I'm now. I'm telling you like, right now, like <laughs> I would fucking, I would pay all the money to watch that movie. Yeah. Oh my god, it was good. And you know what? I usually we kind of we talk about characters. I usually don't like kids. I find them very grating. Oh, yeah. I actually like the kid in this movie. I Dude, didn't find her annoying. She was, you know, you know why? Because they they wrote her, they wrote her as a regular kid. Right, right. Like, like, a, like a more realistic yes. kid. Like part of the reason, because I completely agree with you, part of the reason why I find children in movies, especially movies like this, so fucking annoying is because they're not realistic. Like they're they're over-exaggerated. They're, they're, it's just, you know, they, they have no, like they think everything is fake, like no concept of reality, so they become so fucking annoying. This character was written as a real kid mm -hmm. that believes in Santa Claus, right? Like, so it was very believable and thereby not annoying. So I completely agree. When I say, like, kids sometimes will, like, ruin movies for me. Like, because it's just like, oh my God, shut the fuck up. Like, just so right. or, they, or, or they use the kid as a plot device to sit in the corner and be like, Mom, help! And then that's all they do the whole fucking movie. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. Because that, that, that Home Alone... Oh, uh, what? <laughs> yo, I, 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 the girl, what was her name? Candy Cane? Yeah. Yo, first of all, she should have been dead like th the first trap. So yo, she got rocked. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, I think, was my favorite because the guy, like, you, you didn't really, like, I, I didn't think they were going to go that route, right? Right. Because she had set up the Home Alone style traps, you know, to set the stage for those of you that haven't seen the movie, she's hiding in the attic. Um, and she set up all these Home Alone style traps, and the one, the two henchmen, the one guy, he like immediately sees the one trap, and he's like, "There's a nail on the floor, right?" Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, like I wouldn't see this, of course not." So he obviously just sidesteps the nail, starts to climb up the attic, but she's also sabotaged one of the, the ladder rungs. Oh my god, it's so good, and it fucking went through his his like chin, and then he falls back, and everyone like, nails? and everyone in theater is like, "Ah, oh, right in the lower back," because he falls. Oh my god, it was so bad. And then the bowling balls, she had the bowling balls come out on the trampoline. 
the girl was the, she like the girl dodged them, and the guy who's already on the ground with the nails in his back <laughs> has the bowling balls just falling on oh his fucking God. head. It was so good. It was so great because it was like like you know somewhere along the line in the writers' room somebody was like. What would happen if if it we, really happened? Right, not like, like the original Home Alone, people. where like you know the real Home Alone, like they, they got fucking electrocuted and they were like, ah, I'm good, and they yeah. brushed it off. Like, no, like let, let's actually do the trap and see what would happen. Yeah. you know, dude, like in the in the first Home Alone when they get the full paint cans to the face when that with that full, they would have been dead. Your face would have been smashed to bits. Right, you know, like you know, so yeah, it was really nice to see like what would have happened to be in reality with yes. the Home Alone traps. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then, um, and then the action. So good. they did not, because usually it's like something you always skip on something, right? When it's like kind of like a lower budget movie, like what's going, but like like we just went over like the kills, and then the action. They were like they definitely had some really good fight coordinators. Yep. They did not skip on the stunts, like. The, when he fucking got like he remembers his old sledgehammer Dude, that was the best oh my god and he's just fucking murking them it and, was so good and the, and the way the way he used it too just like the big swings and just breaking bones and oh. knocking bodies left and right oh, my it fa- was yeah, so my favorite is he like done. took the the lights wrapped around someone's neck and then like threw it into the freaking snowblower as they're like oh yes god. <laughs> and he gets sucked into the snowblower <laughs> Yeah, and that's why that's why I want to see a Santa Claus prequel movie because I just want to know. I mean, so the the last little ultra violent dude. <laughs> yes, the last final touch that I loved about this movie that was just the icing on the cake, where they they made a bit about how you know the reindeers leave him at first, and he's like, "Fuck you! You can't believe you left me here to die!" Yes. And then you find out after everything has already transpired, the reindeers were going back to the North Pole to so get, get his it. favorite hammer to come back, and they the reindeers show up, and it's got a note from Mrs. Claus. <laughs> like, Thought you need it, honey. Love you. you. Which is so, which is interesting because so again, going back to the conversation about what are his powers, right? That would imply that it implies one of two things: either he's got some sort of dashboard cam on his sleigh so that Mrs. Claus knows what's happening, or the reindeers are like tele- telepath- telepathic, can, like, they can right? Them. Or like, or maybe they can actually just fucking talk. Like, right. how funny would that because be? He was talking to them like they were real people. Dude, you how know, great would it the- be? I would. How great would it be in a sequel, right? He starts talking to the reindeers like he was in this movie, and then like one of the reindeers is just like Patton Oswalt's voice, and he starts talking back to you, and right? It's like, like, and it's like, yo, Santa, shut up! Yeah, all you do is talk. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> bro. It was it was such a fun. I haven't like I now that I think about it, like I haven't seen a movie that was like just like fun, and it was like well made. It, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, put some money behind it. Like, the whole thing, I was worried. Yeah, it was It was such a pleasant surprise. I, I went in expecting to... Right, because I didn't even know it existed until they dropped the trailer. Right. Like, I didn't know, like, there was in pre-production, you know, like, you know. Yeah. Just they dropped the trailer, and I'm like, is this fucking for real? <laughs> I went into this movie expecting to laugh because it was going to be so bad, not because it was, like, legitimately Bro, The people good. in the theater in front of you probably hate hated you because you have such a fucking loud laugh and you were just laughing the entire time I'm like yo the row in front of us probably fucking hates you because <laughs> you were just out laughing the whole time and I'm like oh my god this is great and I'm, I'm a good movie guest sometimes <laughs> oh, 
But yeah, uh, Ultra Violent Night. Let's do it. Yeah, part two, man. I'm ready. Um, all right, you want to move on to uh, Guardians uh, yeah. Holiday Special? Another pleasant surprise. Dude, I mean, this movie, again, like we were talking before about the, the pitch. I, I wish a little short for me. Right, I, I could have I could have easily had another forty five minutes of this movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like we were saying before, that the pitch for Violent Night, the pitch for this movie was good. Yeah, they're they're not making money off of this. It was right. straight. To, and honestly, to it was like, listen, we already have the set, the nowhere set for Guardians Three. Let's just go to the dollar store, dress it up cute, yeah, and then do CGI for half of them probably, right. and then we'll use one of the producers' houses. And then we'll get Kevin Bacon in. And we have two sets and we're done. Done, yeah. yeah. Completely done. And it was it was so it was so fast and it was so quick and it was so good. It was so goddamn yes. good. But I loved how like after like thinking I was like, oh. Basically James Gunn was like, because they rehired him and they were like, I'm so sorry for like firing you for dumb shit. He was like, <laughs> All right, you want uh, like we'll you know, we'll help you out. And he goes, All right, I wanna do a prologue to Guardians 3 will mask it as a Christmas special but when you and we'll break it down like they put a lot in there that now they don't have to explain in the movie yep cause I'm like watching it and I thought it was just gonna be very late on story and I'm like oh no no there's now, a lot going and, on and here I loved how they, they just oh, we bought fucking nowhere from the collector I'm like excuse what do you mean yeah. bought from the collector and I'm like because the last time we saw the Guardians was Love and Thunder. They right. were palling around with Thor. And then they just kind of like left. And now it's like, how do you mean you bought Nowhere? Yeah. What the fuck happened? The way they casually throw that in there was absolutely genius. Because, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the head of a dead celestial. Right. Like, yeah, we just bought it. Like, how did the, first yeah. of all, what did the, how did the, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, what, did, that, what did it cost? What, what, what yeah. was the? And how did you get all that money? And how was the collector okay with just like eh, giving? Right, it up? exactly. Very strange. But now it sets it up because now it's like you know they were saying there's like there's a lot of work to do, and it's like not that it's happening, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like obviously, Guardians Three being James Gunn's last movie, I wouldn't be surprised if like give it two or three years, and like they, we get a Guardian series on Disney Plus, and it's like a like a problem of the week type of show of like oh what like Tales of No where you know and it's like oh we have this issue and it's like you know they're using the cast yeah i could see something like that happening you well, know? So, yeah, like so a this, serial i think is what i'm trying no, to say no you're absolutely right one of those. Yeah. this this special proved that they can do that because you know I, I was just having this conversation at the bar earlier today with ed of cannon fodder about kind of like where you kind of go with some of these things right, right. And it's their the Marvel Universe is getting to the point where they if they do it right, they can have content forever. Yes. Because after the right, after what's kinda what's eventually gonna come up with Kang, right? You're gonna get to the point where there are too many heroes in this world to always build to a mega crossover. Right, not like how it was like you had Ultron and then you right. had Thanos and then you had you know what I mean? Like right. like you said, there's gonna be 85 fucking heroes. But what they can do, though, is because Feige has been very specific about how he's got different 
sort of pillars of the Marvel Universe right now. There's like the street level heroes. Right. There's the Avengers levels heroes. There's the cosmic level heroes. If you do it, if you treat it like the comic books mm-hmm. and, you know, your crossovers happen within those pillars. So your crossovers are now Spider-Man and Daredevil and like, you know, Luke Cage or whatever. Like, right. boom, that's a crossover, oh, right? And then your other crossovers are like the Guardians and Adam Warlock and that and whole then, world, like, right? Um, Captain Marvel. Exactly. Right. You can still have those big movies events without having to worry about incorporating all 35 of your fucking heroes and i think the guardians christmas special really set the stage to prove how they can do that cosmic guys cosmic we're going to keep street level street and then that makes sense that's why thor is not showing up in a she-hulk daredevil um spider-man series exactly you know and that same and then that's why, you know, Daredevil's not going to be with the Guardians and Miss Marvel and, yep. uh, you know, all them stuff. Yeah. Exactly agree. That's that's exactly what I was saying. So I think that, like you were saying, the, the Guardians Christmas special gives you a lot of story without giving you a lot of story. It's like very, just like these little like quick But I kind of liked it because I loved it. Yeah. Because I mean, like, you know, Marvel's one of these things of like. You know, they tease Thanos at the end of like the first ten of you know for thirty five seconds. You're like, or I just let, let's just get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and it was like, no, no more, no little teasing, no. So he's like, boom. Oh, and Cosmo is yeah. is now part of our team. And you're like, oh, sick. Okay. Like, because you you gotta have you you, you gotta <laughs> have these filler things, right? Like, it's like when you read actual comics, right? You've gotta have like some of my favorite individual issues of comics are what would be considered filler stories, right? right? They don't play into a larger, broader arc or whatever. It's just these little, like you said, villain of the week type stories or whatever. And they do they do well to like build the world, continue to build on the development of the characters. And that's exactly what this movie did. While also telling, a, it's not even a movie, it's a you know, whatever. But while also telling yeah, like, a really charming, kind of heartwarming Christmas story. Right, and I was really surprised because I thought it was just going to be straight comedy. I thought this is just like a... Fun and passion project. And again, within the first 30 seconds, she's like, you know, my secret, Jax. And I thought it was going to, I was like, oh, what's the big punchline? She's like, oh, no, that I'm like Peter's sister. And I was like, yeah, oh, oh, okay. Which I'm not, it makes sense. Because yeah. she, because my thing is when I watched Guardians 2, I'm like, well, why the fuck was she there with Ego? Like, why, why her? Like, why yes. no one else? And I always had that question of like, and they kind of just played her as like his, her, like his assistant. But I always thought it was weird. Like, why was she there? But right. now it makes sense why she was there. And it's like, okay. But then it's like, so then now I'm, I'm really going with it. Yeah, so then, know. so now you're saying Mantis is per celestial, which now is like a whole, like, boof. Yes. You know what I mean? It's wild. Which they haven't really, even on Peter's side, hasn't really explored a ton on that side either no which... not since guardians too no not at right. all yeah yeah no i know i totally agree that like that was a bomb too like when she said that like i, I even but like, i loved it was just done yeah it was out there it wasn't a mystery it's like boom i even did like a double take because because guardians 2 is one of the movies that i don't re-watch very often right like you you watch it for the thing but like can, right but can you think of like any huge like oh i have to go rewatch watch it not necessarily exactly so I mean, when, the beginning is great yeah you know because so when she dropped that line i had to go back and think i was like wait a minute did i miss that in the second movie and like oh right and it's like no you didn't miss it it was just this bombshell in the holiday special and you're like what the happening here i thought it was a a heartfelt joyous christmas special Mm -hmm. and there's all this continuity building they're doing like god damn it you know like and i liked it because i did a little research and like 
I guess someone did like interview James Gunn and it's like, all right, so like why out of all the Guardians, why did you pick Jackson Mantis? And he and he was very honest. He goes, because I feel like out of all the Guardians and like I feel like they've been the most sidelined out mm-hmm. of all my characters. And, you know, I wanted to give them something beefier to do. And I was like, oh, and, I, and now I'm like, oh, so, the, so now, like if anything, Mantis is here to stay. Yeah. I don't feel like she's going anywhere. No. You know, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that kind of brings up the you know, like we we were talking about the the uh, the Guardians three trailer. Oh, they're all gonna die. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> there's gonna be a lot. I of feel fucking like bodies I, I, I feel like tra- I wouldn't be surprised if Rocket and Drax go. I feel like something's gonna happen. We're gonna with like Drax's family, maybe like through the comics where his family really isn't dead because they did that in the comics, right? Right. And I could see him be like, oh, guys. Love y'all, but I'm out. And then that way he's like, he doesn't die, but he's gone. Right. And then you can like pull him out the woodwork when you need to. But then he is gone. The way the, the trailer was looking, and we're going back into Rocket's backstory. Like crying in that trailer. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Rocket's gone. Yeah. And so then I'm like, oh, that makes sense because then they want to pare it down a little bit. Yep. You know. I agree. I, I think I think I think Rocket and Drax are are, are going to go, and I think they're going to find a way to. I, th- I think they're. I think they want to get rid of the Star Lord character. Without, oh, give him some kind of without killing him. Oh, okay, kind of like a send off into the sunset. But if we need you later, we can use you. Honestly, I think it's gonna be one of two things. It's either gonna be that that send off because they're they're obviously gonna bring Gamora back into the fold, right? In Guardians three, and they might you know give them a sunset happy ending yeah, or whatever. I don't know how I feel about that though. Or or yeah, here's what I think they're really gonna do. You mentioned it before, that celestial element, right? And we've seen more celestial proper stuff in Eternals, even, yes. even though that movie sucked. Um, I, I think uh, I have a comment about Eternals, <laughs> but I'll let you finish your thought first. I think there's a way to tell a story where you turn Star-Lord into a more proper celestial okay. so that you can remove him from the storytelling as Chris Pratt Star-Lord. Oh, he comes more but like, still leave yeah. the door. Right, he becomes more of an actual celestial. More so. like on the uh, on the like the level of like the watcher. Exactly. Okay. But you still leave the door open for him to just be like, "Oh, hey, my boys need help." Like, boom, Chris Pratt's back, you know. Like you still leave that door open a little bit, but it it, it alleviates the pressure of being like I need Chris Pratt and everything, you know, like. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to say about Eternals? Okay. I read this about it and I was like, oh, I completely agree. I actually like Eternals, but not as a Marvel movie. If you oh, sit, great. If you sit someone down and say, oh, is this Marvel movie? You go, no, no, it's just a new superhero movie. It's actually a good movie. I would agree with that. But when you say it's a Marvel movie, you're like, huh? I would agree with that except for one element. There's one element of the Eternals that just pissed me off to no end. And it was just sloppy writing, in my opinion. Was the, they made a, the, a whole, the whole thing they talked about where it was like the Celestials created the Deviants and the whole reason they created the Eternals was because the Deviants sort of rebelled against them because of their what essentially equated to free free will and free thought. Right. Right. Which, which is I, why they made the Eternals to be a little bit more like that's why they oh we gotta erase memories every so right. often because we but, fucked up with the Deviants. Yeah. But at the same time they gave the Eternals such so much more layered emotional 
depth that it just sort of made no sense. Their whole argument about free will and decision making made no sense when you give them essentially human characteristics and the ability to like deduce what is happening to them with the brainwashing which is exactly what happened i was like god damn it like that's just like you're gonna sit there and say oh we made a better version because we fucked up the deviants well then so but then you still fucked up then with the eternal so just proving that the celestials have no clue what the fuck they're doing exactly like (laughs) like, if their if their explanation was the deviants sucked because they rebelled against us so we just you know so so we made people you know it would have made more sense to me if they said we made people who were more like humans because they were easier to manipulate like then that would have made a little bit right. more so sense. why did you give them the option to do that free will and understand that they exactly were, that they actually were never from an uh, yeah. alien planet called olympia yeah and then the whole thing like and i listen i, I but also then then they made ajak who knew that and then basically like hey listen you're gonna lie to these ten people, but then pretend that you're a family for three million years. Right. Like, okay. And then, and then they also like it. And like, I'm sorry. Like, it, it just annoyed the shit out of me. I know. What, I know what they were going for from a casting perspective, but you can't sit there and, in a story perspective, call these beings perfect beings and have one of them be deaf. Like, oh god. I'm sorry. Like, that's just not. It just doesn't work. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna cast a character. Like that and make it your big banner marquee. Well, then thing. you could do that for everybody because, like, if if it's perfect, and uh, mind you, like, like yeah. Bastos was always a big dude, but like, if it depends, well, it depends what you what you define as perfect. Exactly. And then it gets in this weird gray area because right. if you know, are we saying perfect is you know like what society says is perfect or what they're well, it's very it's very flowerly. No, and I agree with you, but but it's because they made it a plot point that it was a detriment to him. It was a detriment to that character that she was deaf, but they were also like, she's perfect. I'm like, well, not really because you're clearly explaining in the movie that it's causing a problem for her. Like it just, you know, it just didn't, it didn't work for me. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to cast a deaf character? Echo in, in Hawkeye. Flawless. The way that character was done, perfect. Like, she was deaf, and she, and she was missing limbs. So that, that was perfect. A excellent way to do it. You can't sit there and tell me you're going to have a perfect human being and, and then have them be deaf and have that cause problems for them. Like, it just doesn't work. Right. No, I hear it. <laughs> it just annoyed me. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about about the Guardian special, two things, actually. Yeah. One was... Um, did you know that that opening scene, that animated scene, was actual like motion capture, rotoscoped animation? With, yes. Like that was how cool was that opening scene? Yeah, well, because they wanted it to have that look. It was beautiful. It was, the fact that Michael Rooker was actually there, doing that like mocap work for the rotoscope was just. It oh, honestly so made good. it more, like like seeing that. Actually, and then you want to go back and look at what happened in Guardians 2. It almost makes it more sad because you're like, wow, he really was like, like, you know, when uh, Star Lord's like, oh, you don't get the whole story. And then you realize Yondu does come kind of come back around and yeah. like they're sitting there and he's like, like touching his shoulder, like, hey, it's good. Like, you know, he like gives him his blasters and you're like, oh, damn. Then you're like, that oh. was the best. Right. And then you're like, oh, wow, I really feel bad. Like the way he went out because he was the one that gave Peter the last little air thing and sacrifice yep. himself you're like ah yeah and he might have been your daddy that, but, but he wasn't your father whatever that line was. yeah, yeah, yeah. such a great line yeah uh, yeah no yeah when, when you find out that yondu is the one that gave him the blasters like that was like oh right in the feels like exactly. oh that was so good and, and then the whole thing of like and it, it was schmaltzy but i felt like it was nice when you know 
she's crying and she's like, I'm your sister. And he was like, oh, fuck. And you realize. And it just makes sense because he lost who he thought was his only family when Yondu. And I guess the the Guardians are his family. But like now he's like, no, like we actually are family. And I I feel like that's going to be a plot point. Like it was too... Front and it's center. too big, yeah. No, it's, it's too big to ignore. It has to be, and they wouldn't have just thrown that in just for fun, like, right? It, it definitely comes back, definitely. to do something, which with ma- which makes me think that ego is going to come back in some way mm-hmm. in Guardians Three, like, or they're just going to do or do the more celestial things because to be Adam Warlock, you know, Adam Warlock is like what do they call yeah. him, the perfect man, and he's going to be like, yep, fucking hard, yep. and I have a feeling they're both going to have to tap into their celestialness. I would agree. Um, and I love the dog. The dog. I loved Gazo. It was so fun. So this. Is, so here's the one problem I had with this special. And it's not even a problem. It's just a, what I would have thought would have been awesome because they really leaned into it with Cosmo. And I thought they would have gone the extra step. I was the whole time. Like the moment I saw Cosmo, because you see him pretty early on, right? The whole time I was begging for Howard <laughs> the Duck. Oh, <laughs> right. Because like you see him in that after credit scene, yes, right? Yes. Like uh, I just just like, a little in the background, just a little, yeah. yeah like because because they're throwing all these other characters at you, right? And, 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 and it's in nowhere where he was before, right? And it was such an awesome little fucking just amazing cameo for fans like me. I, I was the whole time I was begging just to see. Like I, I could sit down and watch a whole segment of banter between Rocket and Howard the Duck because I feel oh, like right, it would right, be right. just fucking incredible. That was the one thing, again, not a... picking yeah. Yeah, not a flaw. It was just something that I yeah. wanted that I didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I liked that it was, again, pleasantly surprising. Definitely more prologue. I loved all the, the writing was really good. I loved how they talked about, like, almost like a commenting on Hollywood where it's yep. like, oh, you... Like, they were talking about his movies and he's like, no, and they're like, he's an actor? Ugh, I'm gonna <laughs> throw up! And I was like, oh my god, I fucking... Love this. Where you save the town by dancing. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, uh, so the last thing I want to talk about on this movie, you said, we're talking about continuity, Bucky's arm. Oh, yes. I was so confused because I'm like, I have to go back and watch Falcon and Winter Soldier because I'm very confused. No, he's got his fucking arm at the end of Buck. Uh, uh, so, so this Right? Is, okay, because that's, yes, that's no. the one thing I wasn't able to do before I got here today because I was like, oh, I wanted to go back and watch that last episode. Because yes. like, I remember Bucky's arm got taken off by the Dora Milaje. But I, right I, I think on. you put it back yep. on, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, no, and I'm like, or was it a new arm? Like, I don't... Because it looked different. There, No, it looked the same. It's that okay. black, that new blackish gold arm that yeah. he had, right, that Wakan- the Wakandans gave him. Oh, there's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be something, right? Like, so I, I half expected there to be an after credit scene where, like, you just see Bucky waking up in bed, and he's like, well, the fuck's my arm? You know, like, I, I expected that, but you didn't get that. So yeah. they're, they're going to have to address it, right? Like, yes. You know, because it's not like... Because it was also just such a throwaway moment. Because it wasn't like, yeah. Because Nebula's like very. Wait, ne- Nebula gave it to him, right? Right, Nebula gave it to him. Because it's, it's not like he had a spare arm, right? Like, right. The yeah. Wakandas made him one arm. And that was it, right? But it's like, also something that Rocket has talked about. Exactly. And he's like, he was like, what's in that arm? Exactly. Now, now, if she had given him the arm, his original arm that got blown off in Civil War, right? right? That would have been a cool moment also, but then you would have never needed to explain that. It's just like, hey, found this relic, like, right. boom, so he's not using So did she go to arm. Earth, similar to Mantis and Drax, to 
purposely find Bucky, rip his arm off, and just leave? Well, that's what I'm saying. Because, <laughs> because, because if that's it, right? Like, the because the arm, the arm is also like fully intact. So right. obviously it's not like she it was didn't burned or right. Or like so obviously she didn't take it by force. But you saw, like you just said, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, they demonstrate how the Dora Milaje know there's like some sort of secret code to pop his arm off that he didn't even know. And then in the know. Thunderbolts problem, he has his arm. Right. So I'm dying to know, like, unless Nebula will be part of like. Thunderbolts or something, and like, right, it, it just hasn't. It's know. gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be either just a throwaway little scene that's gonna make you laugh as a fan, right. or they're gonna find a way to like make this like a serious part of continuity. Yeah. Either way, I'm here for it. As soon as you showed that fucking arm, I was like, yo, like that's something awesome. went down. Like that's great. Because <laughs> t- I don't, I can't think of the release order in my head, but it's like, when does the new like, when does Thunderbolts come out in relation to the new Captain America? Right. Because I'm assuming Bucky will be in the new Captain America, maybe. Uh, yeah, you know. I think I think it's all after. I, I think I think right now they're releasing stuff mostly in chronological order now. Oh, right, yeah. We're yeah. not doing, like, I think we're oh, here's Black that. Widow that right. happened six years ago. Yeah. yeah, I think they're mostly chronological order. But listen, I was super excited for it. The Guardians Christmas special or holiday special, whatever, was fucking fantastic. Yes. I excited for it. it. It made me almost more excited. I'm not excited for the third one because I have a feeling it's going to be very emotional. No, I'm going to I'm going to cry. I'm definitely going to cry. Oh, yeah, but I'm um, I'm excited, but I'm also I'm not excited to cry. Maybe more excited to cry. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm here for it. But um, all right, man. Yes. Uh, this holiday for a holiday extravaganza. The review, the ready set review, holiday extravaganza. Yeah. This was so much fun. Then, I loved talking then, about this. And then our next episode will be our yearly year wrap up. That's right, our yeah. year in review, our E V U E review. Um, <laughs> listen, we'll we'll have that dropping for you in a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, I'm Matt. I'm Will, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.